With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, welcome everybody to the Transparent Truth. This is Coach Keith. With Mr. Greg Biggins, my co-host, he's in the building. The legendary one, Greg Biggins, 20 years plus in the game. A lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. What's up, Greg? How you feeling today? I'm good. I'm good. Game face is on. I'm ready to go, Keith. Ready to go. Let's go. Absolutely, absolutely. So we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, some recruiting updates. We're going to give a tip of the week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit of Elite 11 with the non-qualifiers for the finals. Uh, sleeper recruiter of the week. We're going to have our final thoughts at the end of the show. So, uh Glad to have everybody, have everybody with us. Starting off our first podcast, we're excited. Best podcast in the country, eventually. <laughs> we're going to get this thing rolling. Uh, so just want to give you guys a little bit of background uh, on myself. So uh, my name is Coach Keith. At least that's what they call me. Keith Miller. Uh, grew up here in Los Angeles. Was a uh, high school ball player. Graduated from Sarah High School in Gardena. Went off to play college ball at Alabama State University. Was an all-conference linebacker. Came back to L.A., coached for about 10 years, a national scout, national director of recruiting from the Under Armour All-American game, newly national preps, national scout, just moved over from Exos Digital. So uh, glad to be with you guys. Greg? Man, I don't have that kind of background, so I'll just keep it, I'll keep it on the professional. Start off at student sports in 1996. I think you were a junior or a senior I in high school. Junior. I, I covered junior. you, my yep. first class. Yep. Uh, working at student sports, kind of made the jump from Cal High Sports to student sports. Uh, from there, student sports, 15 years, flipped over to ESPN, over to Fox, which was bought by Scout, which is now bought by CBS Sports. So it's been 21, 20, 21 years in the business. My man's been here in a long time, a long time. Long time. I met Greg back when I was 16 years old. I was an all-state football player, a linebacker at Luzinger High School. And, uh, you know, 20, 21 years later, we're, we're here on the podcast, ready to take you guys on a little ride on the West Coast. Talking West Coast football, recruiting, scouting, and the transparent truth behind it all. So here we go. Let's get rolling. Uh, we want to start off with some recruiting updates uh, new commits, new offers. Greg, what you got for us? Yeah, I mean, obviously the big USC camp, UCLA camp, uh, was yesterday. Uh, a handful of new offers. Uh, ironically, not so much from those two schools. We saw Ohio State and Michigan out here. It's kind of a new thing, uh, which is kind of cool, actually, to see. Uh, I think the reason behind that, I see some people say, you know, why does USC or UCLA want to have these schools come into their camp? And I think the feeling was, man, that's how we get some more, more players to come out to our camp. At this point in time, everyone's kind of camped out. So if you have Michigan, if you have Ohio State, uh, if you have some of these cool schools coming out, it definitely helps your attendance. And I think USC had about, what, 3,000 kids at their camp yesterday. Yeah. Sli- only slightly exaggerating, but uh, I know a guy that we love, Brian Addison, Sarah High School, uh, the alma mater of yours, uh, Ohio State, Michigan both offered him. Uh, Corona freshman, Jaden Navarrete, Ohio State, Michigan, we saw Lavelle Price from Bosco, got a bandy offer. Uh, so it's kind of cool. A, handful, a lot of handful of new offers. A couple freshmen, uh, Elias Ricks. 
uh, from modern day got a Nebraska offer. Sure. Uh, Isaiah Foskey from Data Cell got a Nebraska offer. So they were Huskers were very active as they always are out here in Southern California. So pretty good weekend. That's great. Uh, well, you know, I was at the uh, SC camp yesterday and a lot of great athletes. Uh, like you said, Brian Addison, he was fantastic. Uh, two-way star. Thought he played really well on both sides of the ball as a, as a safety slash corner. Uh, tremendous athlete. Great footwork. Tremendous length. Great ball skills. And just a really, really high level of instincts on the football field. I also thought Michael Izike out of uh, Colony, Ontario. He put on a dominant, dominant performance. Uh, big, strong, athletic kid. Long strider. Uh, terrific hands, soft hands, but very strong. Other guys unable to rip the ball away from him. Uh, some young guys who really st- I thought stood out. Sean Dollars, running back out of uh, Fontana Summit. Also Bryce Young, who's lit it up this off season. Um, the 2020 prospect out of LA Cathedral. So uh, those are just some guys that really stood out to me yesterday. Of course, there were other really good football players, uh, but those right off the bat they jumped off the off the field and really shine. Some guys who attended but didn't compete, uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, 2019's number one player in the country, uh, newly transferred to Oak Street Christian from L.A. Dorsey, uh, was in attendance. Uh, also, Max Williams, fresh off the plane from Indianapolis, the Rivals five-star challenge, was in attendance, as well as Chris Steele, uh, 2019, defensive back out of St. John Bosco. Two future 50 guys, actually three future 50 guys, um, that are committed to future 50s, Thibodeau, Steele, and Williams. They were all there in attendance, didn't participate. Steele came away with two offers. Yeah, how about though, that? He must have been really impressive walking that sideline hey man, to you get were, those offers. He could shake the hell out of a hand <laughs> or something, man. But uh, two offers. So uh, Michigan and Vandy for the Michigan two. Michigan and yeah. Vandy, absolutely. So Vandy's head guy was there and offered him. And, and uh, so he came away with two. So it was, good, it was a big day and a good day for recruiting yesterday. And uh, guys really showed up and showed out at the camp. And it was good to see some familiar faces uh, for the offseason. I also had a commitment last night. I almost forgot. A quarterback. Uh, commitment to Huntington Beach, Edison High School, Griffin O'Connor to UNLV. He visited there a couple of weeks ago. Actually, I think about a month and a half ago. And uh, that was the top school. He loved that visit. And kind of quarterback dominoes. You, don't, you know, Once you see one guy, you kind of start to see them all start to go. We saw that with you know, Cam Cooper choosing Washington State a little bit ago. And, sure. and uh now you saw last night with Griffin O'Connor. Still a couple guys on the board. Brevin White, I think, is going to have a really good bounce-back year playing with Dean Harrington over there at Perry Clayton. And then Tyler Shuck is a guy we loved at the Elite 11. I know we'll talk, talk about that a little bit later on, but Tyler's the, maybe the, the guy who, I mean, he came out of nowhere, you know, offered by Michigan, Bama. I mean, name a school, and they were all over him. I think he was at ASU recently. I think watch out for them. Uh, Michigan is on the short list, and they would love to have him too. So Tyler Shuck, Brevin White, two guys still on the board for quarterbacks out here out west. Very nice. Brevin White with a new school over there at Paraclete. Going to play for his old ball coach. Looking for him to have a big year this season. He's got a lot of weapons on the outside and in the backfield. Uh, they should have a great year coming off of a CIF championship. Uh, so moving on, we're going to be looking at our tip of the week. So the tip of the week is kind of a segment that I like to look at in terms of helping out student athletes and um, how to proceed moving forward. Um, in different parts of the season. So, of course, you have the off-season, you have the preseason, um, you have in-season. And so this week, our tip of the week is for our off-season student-athletes, be an asset, not an ass. Be an asset, not an ass. And that simply means what can you do to help 
your team, your family, your environment improve itself. Be an asset to those around you. Be a quality individual. Show integrity when people aren't looking. Reach out and help others. Be an asset to those around you and those who know you and even those who don't know you. Put a smile on somebody's face that could never repay you for it. Don't be an ass. Don't be a guy showing up late to off-season workouts. Don't be a guy turning down workouts because you want to go run to the movies with your friends. Don't be a guy who's not cleaning up his room when your mom and your dad already told you to have the room clean before they came home from work. Be an asset, not an ass. Everybody loves an asset. Nobody loves an ass. <laughs> All right, so moving right along. The Elite 11. Elite 11, Greg, you had a chance to attend Elite 11. I wasn't there. I was out of town in Baltimore at the Under Armour All-American camp. But tell us a little bit about your experience at the Elite 11, uh, guys who stood out, and then some guys who kind of didn't make the cut and why. Yeah, obviously, I've, I've been a part of that process. I mentioned, you know, I was, I was with student sports when the event first started up, and the, the changes from the beginning till now are incredible. Uh, you know, in the original, you know, days, you just invited 11, or it was actually always 12. Always had a 12th man. Yeah. Uh, just makes it easier. People always wonder, why is it called, you know, just for roommate purposes, warming up, you always had that 12th guy. But the difference now is the last couple of years, they've invited 24 guys out to Southern California, Redondo High School, and then from there, they go from 24, they cut it down to 12, and those 12 guys go to the opening uh, for the opening finals and, and, and do that. So, I mean, it, it was a good event. You know, Trevor Lawrence was a guy who, who – Justin Fields, I think those were the two guys that everyone kind of came in as the number one, number two guys, and, and they're the real deal. I, 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 was, I was not blown away in the sense that I already knew they are going to be good, but just watching them, looking at them physically. I mean, these are both – you know, Lawrence is a 6'5 guy. Great release, smart, humble, coachable. He's an asset. Everything you just said, you know, he's a front-of-the-line guy. He works hard when no one else is watching him. Uh, Fields is an, is an athlete who came in with the top Nike rating, uh, ran 4.51 at a regional camp. He's got a 36, 37 vertical jump. You watch him in the football field. He's that classic guy who's a, a pure pocket guy but with dual-threat capability, meaning he's a p- very comfortable in the pocket, but he can get out and run and do pl- things with his legs if he wants to. Uh, those two guys, for me, I, I think the guy who might have been the most eye-opening uh, might have been Jack Tuttle. You know, he's a guy who, again, I, watching him at Steve Clarkson's camp since he was in eighth grade, and at that time he was so skinny, so frail, he mechanically he couldn't hold the ball and even throw it because he was just a little too not, not strong enough. He's gotten put on every year. He's gotten better and better and better. I feel like he's made as big a jump in the last year uh, of any quarterback I, I can remember in a long time in terms of just going from a guy who was good you know, at the time Utah offered him, I thought that was a, a nice pickup for them. Sure. To right now, that's a steal for them. Because this guy can play for any school in the country. Ohio wow. State, name a school. I mean, he can play, absolutely play for, for all those guys. So uh, those three guys I thought were, were really, really good. Um, you know, I don't have the, the list of 12 in front of me right now. But um, I like those guys. I like, you know, again, Cam Cooper made it West Coast-wise. Tyler Shuck, another West Coast guy, really impressive. Um, great hair as well. For that counts for any points. I don't know, but he five-star hair. Yeah. Um, so overall, I mean, it was a really fun event, and it was. Uh, you know, I thought they did a really good job with this selection. There was only I had one guy. I thought Emory Jones is Ohio State commit. I thought that. I thought he deserved. It. I thought body of work. I thought he deserved it. You look at his film, um, his projection, his upside, all of that. I thought he, you know, his body of work. But that last day when it was seven on seven. Uh, he looked tired. He looked kind of gassed, and yeah. uh, he didn't have a, a big last day. I think it was on the bubble up until that point. So, uh, other than that, though, I, I thought I felt pretty good about the twelve guys they did pick. Talk to me a little bit about Justin Fields. I mean, this is a guy I've heard of 
of course, cost the country a five-star prospect, five-star quarterback. In terms of a NFL comparison, is anybody out there that he compares to favorably that you think, you know what, you know, in, in four to five years, I could see this guy looking this way? That's a tough one. I, I'm not. I'm not super great on the whole comparison thing. Um, you know, he's he, he's got the total package, though. I mean, you want to say uh, he, probably a more polished Marcus Mariota. Okay. In the sense, I mean, he's got he's that kind of an athlete. Wow. But he's you know, Marcus didn't even start till senior year of high school. Right. This guy is pure right. mechanically. Yeah. You know, he throws a ball. He's tight. His release. Uh, he's smart. He's heady. So he's kind of going into college ahead of the game in terms of just being that guy. He's already smart understands the game. He's a playmaker. He's a dynamic guy. I feel like nowadays, I feel like defenses are so fast and so good. I wouldn't recruit a guy who could just be a pocket guy. I wouldn't recruit that guy anymore. I, my guy would need to be a, a Sam Darnold type. Sure. I would want that guy who can escape and make plays. No statues. I, you can't play that guy. You can't have that guy anymore. Yeah. Unless you're, you know, unless you're Bama or Stanford and you have great offensive lines, you can get, you know, three seconds and no one's going to touch you. Sure. But th- those are two programs that can do that. Uh, Tanner McKee, I, I failed to mention him. Tanner was so good, he didn't even do the last workout, which was fell on a Sunday. Very, very strong in his Mormon faith, and he made a commitment. He said when he was nine years old, I'm not going to ever work out on a Sunday. Wow. And it, they told him flat out, okay, this might hurt your chances, and he was fine with that, which I, I respect the heck. Of, I'm not Mormon, but I respect so much someone who is that strong in their faith. And even his dad would say, hey, this is his decision. I'm fine if he works out, but Tanner chose not to, and he still made it because he was so good those first two days. And you know, that's a guy that we've been talking about. For a while now, and another guy, he looks like a pocket guy. He can run. Absolutely. And he can escape. Absolutely. He can extend plays. He doesn't just run and take off. I mean, he can look down the field and make plays with his legs. But he's got that arm. He's got some dynamite in that elbow for sure. He makes a lot of throws. And he was a, probably a top two, top three guy those first two days. And obviously, he had to be good to make it without even doing the, the third day of the workout. Sure, sure. Uh, tell me a little bit about Dorian Thompson Robinson's performance. Of course, he's an Under Armour All American commit, a guy that we targeted. Uh, relatively early is a kid I've been watching since eighth grade, and um, I knew once when it, once it was his turn to kind of take over the helm over there in Gorman, he was gonna blow up in recruiting, and uh, he's gonna blow up even bigger on the football field. So tell me a little bit about you know his performance and and how he stood out amongst the crowd. Yeah, I mean I, I don't know why I even failed to mention him because he was tremendous, and you can make an argument he was the most. If they, they didn't give out an MVP. Uh, but you can make an argument for him. You know, there wasn't one day he was number one, but he was in that top two, top three, top four every single day. Right. And he's a guy who I think, you know, he's going to do good in the workout, but the more competitive the environment, the better he's going to be. So first day, which is mostly just thrown on air, learning the routes, learning the concepts. Sure. Day two was a, a pro day, which was they actually did 20 throws yeah. that are all throws that you would see in a, in a pro day. Uh, seemingly, these are deep balls. These are slants. These are out. Every throw... Uh, and he was on fire. And then the third day, where he was might have been the best guy, the third day was a defense, a seven-on-seven defense out sure. there, where the quarterbacks, and this, we have to say this, they had to not just go out there and throw to an open guy, call the right play, make the right read. They were actually graded and judged on all of that, not just thrown to a guy, and it looks great. Wow, look at that throw. That was a really nice throw. For those guys, they're looking at the whole body of protections, calling the reads, accuracy, all that. And, and Doran was, was incredible. In the seven on seven, as was Real Mitchell. I'm not going to keep going on and on and on as sure. these names are kind of keep coming fresh to me. Absolutely. I asked about Dorian, and, and he was tremendous. I'm so excited to see him with the pads on because the guy was an all state receiver last year playing with Tate Martell. Uh, so I'm excited to see, you know, how does he handle 
chaos around him. Live bullets, baby. 2.5 seconds to throw, right? That's they're right. going to be playing modern day. They're playing, I don't know if they're playing St. Thomas again. They're playing some really good teams. Their knocking schedule is always really good. Sure. Tate could do all that. People love to dog Tate, but Tate was one of those guys that, you know, minute left in the game. Lights, you knew Tate lights was bright gonna, lights on. Yeah. Can yep. Dorian do that? Can he make that quick read? Process with chaos coming around him. Absolutely. You got two seconds. Find the right guy. Make the right read. Make the accurate throw. I think he can. Um, but it's going to be fun watching him do it this year. Absolutely. I mean, Dorian's a guy that, you know, I, I seem to know pretty well, spending some time with him and his family. And uh, one thing I can say about him is, Dorian's a guy that doesn't flinch. No. Big moments happen. Um, he's not a guy that cowers down. I remember watching him in a seven-on-seven tournament this year, uh, playing versus an all-star team. His team was a little overmatched. And um, I saw Darian carry this team on his back and make throw after throw versus a big-time defense with, with you know four- and five-star defenders all over the field. And, and just the kid doesn't flinch. And I always go back to his ability to, to stay at Gorman with Tate Martell there, knowing that he wasn't going to be the starter when so many other guys in today's recruiting and today's high school football would have got up and transferred and left. Yep. The integrity it took and the, the, the humbleness it took to swallow that pill and say, you know what, I'm going to keep working. My time's going to come. I'm going to do what I have to do to help the team win. And once I get my shot, I'm going to shine. I mean, I think the guy's just destined for greatness. Um, he's got a terrific mind for the game. And if I had to compare him to somebody, to me, I think he's a Deshaun Watson clone. Uh, not a great athlete, but a very good athlete. Quick release, accurate when he needs to be, uh, and just a big-time leader. And to me, those intangibles, to go along with the physical ability, that's what makes up a quarterback, right? Those intangibles. You know, Tom Brady's not the fastest guy in the world. He doesn't throw the, 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 the tightest out route, but his, his leadership, his ability to communicate, his, his mind for the game, his ability to make accurate throws under pressure, that's what makes him special. There, there's something about him. And, again, people say it's that, that it factor. But I was at the same tournament that you were at, the Adidas tournament, when he, when he right. got uh, buses late, yep. right? They got there. And it, was like, it was kind of a boring tournament. We're both probably seven on seven out. And it just seemed like as soon as his team came out there, and he was out there calling plays and moving around. Just the way he moved around the cold plays, there was just some juice. Where no all question. of a sudden, this boring tournament that we've been watching for the last three months, he made it interesting to actually watch because he just brought something a little extra to the table. And, uh, yeah, I think he's a natural leader. He's going to be a great teammate, a locker room guy. And I'm with you, man. He could have easily said, you know, I'm out of here at Gorman. Or could have said, you know, I don't want to play receiver. What if I get hurt at, at receiver? I want to be the backup quarterback and I'll wait my time. Now, he wouldn't play receiver as All-State. So, I mean, everything that you said, I, I, I co-sign on. I think, I think he's got a bright future. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about guys who didn't qualify to make it up to the opening. So Elite 11, there were 24 guys. Only half of those guys get cut. Don't get a chance to go up to Oregon, up in Beaverton, and make the opening. Let's talk about a couple guys who didn't make the cut and how you felt about their performance based off of what you saw. Sure. So looking at that, you, you touched on Emory Jones. Emory Jones, another Under Armour All-American, didn't make the cut. You thought he had a pretty good performance. What did you see from, from some other guys out there that you want to talk about? Yeah, so, and just, you know, we talked uh, off camera. Sure. Uh, just, it's important to probably explain the whole process and how it works and how the, how the selection does work. You know, these guys are, are rated on, on a 1 to 24 point system, which goes your your film evaluation. Right. Uh, which they have a big staff of, not just Trent Dilfer, it's, it's a 
Matt James is one of the lead guys. And sure. Jordan Palmer. They have a, a big staff who watches the film, breaks it down, and ranks the kids. Uh, it's how you test it. So they're, they want to throw athleticism in there as well, which uh, I'm a fan of. And then it's your Nike camp, your regional Nike camp performance, the, the opening regional performance. So it's that, those three components kind of go into a, a, a little hopper. A formula spits it out, and he's your, here's our 24 guys. So going into the final event, I didn't know this until last year when Dilfer explained it to me. So going into the final they're kind of already rated 1 to 24. Right. Um, being honest, I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I talked to some of the guys, and I, and I say, hey, you know what? Be great. Why not just get rid, of the, get rid of the 1 to 24 once you get to Redondo? I love using that format to get them there, but let's start from scratch. Let's give number 24 an equal chance as number 1. Right. Uh, so just throwing that out there, and, and they had some, some reasons for it, and I'm not going to argue with that, but uh, – so if you're rated, you know, Quincy Patterson this year got into the final 12. He was rated one of the lower guys, but he killed the workout. Last year it was Tua Tagovailoa, who right. was rated low. He had an okay regional, okay film, didn't test. Uh, he absolutely killed the Elite 11 last year, and he, he got in there. So uh, that's how the formula worked. And, you know, a couple of guys, I'm, I'm going to keep it close to home. Real Mitchell, for me, was, was fun mm-hmm. to watch. And, and we both watched this guy progress, and people have said, you know, he can't throw. Uh, he's going to struggle throwing. You know, he, he is an absolute grinder. Sure. And everything we said about Dorian, we could say about Real in terms of just he's got that gym rat mentality. He wants to be good. Yep. And, and he's going to outwork anyone. And not only is he a, a freak athlete who can run 10, 5, 10, 6, meters if you want to just be a 100% track guy, but he has put in a lot of work as a pure thrower. Absolutely. And, and just seeing the improvements in his release is tighter. He's more accurate. The deep ball, the touch he threw, and a, a highly competitive kid for me. He was my number one guy in the seven-on-seven seven portion of the camp. I mean, he got must have thrown six, seven touchdowns, and he was just clicking. Right. You no, know, quick reads, ball was in place early on time. Uh, I, I, don't, I didn't think Real was going to have a chance to make this because he's probably rated a little bit lower because, again, the size factor is always going to be something for him. Absolutely. You know, being five, nine, five, ten. But sure. he really showed that he deserved to be there. He belonged there. He wasn't overwhelmed by anybody. Uh, so I thought he was tremendous. You know, Blake Stenstrom, who's kind of similar to Dorian – and that he hasn't started a game yet. Uh, Interesting. He played behind McCaffrey. Okay. Uh, Dylan McCaffrey last year. He was the backup at Valor Christian. Right. Uh, he's a guy with obviously great bloodlines. His dad, Steve Stenstrom. Sure. All-American at Stanford. So Blake was someone who isn't going to wow you with, with physical stuff. He's not going to, wow, look at that arm strength. Not a dynamic athlete. Just a really polished kid who's smart, decisive, and throws with touch and accuracy. And so he didn't make the cut, but overall, you know, he was very, very solid. Uh, Jack West is a Stanford commitment, so you know automatically you can say Stanford and say, okay, the guy got to be pretty intelligent, pretty pretty smart, right? Right. Big kid, 6'3", 200 pounds, and, and it'll be interesting. You know, again, great kid off the field, and all those Stanford guys, always, they're always special and unique from that standpoint. But Jack West is going in where he's going to be coming in behind uh, Davis Mills, who was our number one guy last year. JT Daniels is a guy who I think might be favoring Stanford. He's coming in behind him. So uh, Jackson have to work extremely hard uh, to, to earn a spot at Stanford. But, you know, again, a guy, a high-level work ethic kid, very smart. He'll be able to come in, pick up the offense. And, and I think he, uh, you know, he's a guy who's definitely worth, worth watching. So, and those are just a few of the guys that kind of stood out for me uh, from a standpoint of, of, of having solid workouts but just didn't quite make, the, make that final 12. Sure. That sounds awesome. Well, that uh... – that Elite 11 group, that first 24, I thought it was a great list. Uh, obviously, a couple guys kind of stood out above the rest. Looking forward to seeing those guys compete out in Beaverton. Uh, last year, I know Tua, Ta- Tua Tagovailoa dominated 
out in Beaverton and, and won the Elite 11. And so I'm really looking forward to these kind of 12 guys battling it out and, and working their tails off to see who's going to come out with that title this year. Should be a lot of fun. I really respect what those Elite 11 coaches do, uh, kind of Trent leading that deal. And uh, they just seem to do everything right. And uh, I really respect how they get those guys assessed um, from multiple different platforms. So You know, it's cool. It's not just about football either. Like you probably heard, they do a lot of life skills off the field. Right. They had someone speak to them about, uh, you know, sexual harassment and all this stuff that's going on in college football. They had someone speak to them about that as a quarterback. You're a leader. Um, they were able to go and meet with, you know, Michael, Michael Gervais, who's one of the world's greatest sports psychologists. That's right. About self-talk and breathing and just uh, – again, amid all that chaos, how do you process so quickly? And, and that, he's a big part of, of the Elite 11 is being able to talk to these kids. Maybe they able to go down to the beach and play with Kerry Walsh, maybe the greatest – Beach volleyball player of all time. So, I mean, it's a cool event, but I like the life skills part of it. I like the part about them trying to train these kids as being leaders off the field. Being, Absolutely. Again, using your word, being assets, not just quarterbacks. Absolutely. So, that's a whole great deal. And you know what? Um, I'd sign up for Elite 11, too, if I get to play with Kerry Walsh um, <laughs> on the beach. That sounds like a lot of fun. I might get my ass kicked, but uh, Kerry's she's, she's, she's pretty slamming. So, uh, sounds, sounds like a good deal. So, moving right along, uh, we want to talk a little bit about the Scout 300, um, and, and, and more in particular, the Western Region. Uh, is that the top 150 in the Western Region? Greg, is that how that goes? Yeah, I mean, typically if you're one of the top, God, I don't know, one of the top 70 or so players in sure. the West, you're going to be in that Scout 300. Absolutely. That's usually about where it breaks down. So we're going to look specifically at the Western Region. Uh, so we're going to talk about players one through five in the Western Region. Uh, we've got some things we agree on. We've got some things that we don't agree on. I think it's going to be a fun way to kind of break them down and, and analyze kind of where they're rated and why they're rated there. Um, so we want to get into the transparent truth of things and get behind the stars, behind the five stars, and behind all the four stars and really get down to the nitty-gritty. So up first uh, is a linebacker out of Bishop Gorman, Pali'ie Giodioti. Six foot two, 235 pound outside linebacker out of Bishop Gorman in Las Vegas, rated the number one player in the Western region. How do you feel about that kid, Greg? I, mean, I love him. You know, I'm, I'm more interested in your opinion on him because I know, again, we're not going to disagree or agree on all these guys. You're a former linebacker. Absolutely. For me, I, I, I think he's incredible. You know, again, watching him in the pads last year, you know, he's put on some weight. He's probably put on, he told me, about 15 to 20 pounds uh, in the offseason. And when I saw him at the Nike camp out here uh, in SoCal, he wasn't quite as quick twitch, as fast twitch as I saw him with the pads on last year, but no doubt about his upside, his ability, you know, USC guy. But, you know, I thought he was the leader of that defense. I, I saw him on back-to-back plays rush the passer, break down in space, drop 30 yards in coverage. I mean, what else do you want a linebacker to do uh, other than that, right? He's an inside-outside guy. He can make plays all over the field. He's tough. He's instinctive. For me, he, he's one of the better backers that I, I've seen in the last few years. You know, I, I agree on multiple levels. Uh, watching him at the Nike camp, he wasn't as as quick twitch, as athletic as I first anticipated. He looked like he may have been a little bit out of shape. Uh, but going back to his tape, which means more to me than anything, of course, um, I saw such versatility out of him, uh, which is what I think makes him so special. Um, at that size, to be able to run down the seam and cover slot receivers or – uh, his awareness in zone coverage, to be able to break on balls underneath, his ability to blitz and create havoc into the backfield. And then he's just his read and react ability from five yards distance. I mean, the kid 
plays on balance. Uh, he doesn't waste steps. Um, he's a vicious hitter. Uh, runs through guys and not two guys. And uh, he's got the length you're looking for. He plays with tremendous intensity. And I just think he's a, he's a, he's a big-time player. So I'm a, I agree with you on all levels. Uh, Pally EA, I think he's special. Um, if I had to compare him to somebody, I think LeVar Arrington um, is a good comparison. LeVar was a guy who could, who could blitz and make plays in a black field. And he could get out and, and as a separated backer between receivers number two and three and, and, and create confusion and read routes and break on routes and really be a disruptor of, of concepts. Um, and then just be a guy that, you know, off of a first and ten play, that could run guys down from behind or take guys on head on. So, again, the, the versatility of Palaie, I think, is special. I think that's what makes him kind of the top prospect in the region. Um, his ability to, to cover, to zone drop, to blitz, or to read and react on a very high level consistently um, is what makes him special in my eyes. I mean, just for the fun of it, I mean, give me the last linebacker from out west that you would say was better than him as a prospect. How far would you have to go back? DJ Williams. That, that's what I was going to say. That's a long time. That's a long time. That's when I first. That's when I started. Yeah. You know, that's, we're talking late 90s, 97, 98 was DJ. Yeah. That's a lot of linebackers that we've seen that have been really, really good football players that we're saying, we'll take, we're taking this guy over all those guys going back to DJ. DJ was a freak. DJ was, you know, as good as you're ever going to see. That's not bad, though. It's not. It was a guy named Keith Miller that played at Losing and graduated Sarah, though. He's a pretty <laughs> bad boy, though. He was a pretty bad boy, but I was before DJ. I think DJ was a year or two after me. But uh, Pallier, you know, nonetheless, he's a pretty fantastic ball player. Of course, plays for the, you know, national champion or mythical national champion, uh, Bishop Gorman Gales. And um, he's leading their defense. And again, I was just wild by him last year on the football field. He's just a fantastic football player. He makes all the plays. Um, that are necessary at his position. And uh, looking forward to seeing him uh, in person again versus De La Salle, be on the sideline for that game. That'll be at Gorman in Las Vegas. Uh, and looking forward to seeing him on TV. I know they play early on TV, I believe, against uh, a team from the, somewhere in the East Coast. So looking forward to that. So moving right along, uh, looking at the number two player on the Western region or in the Western region, looks like it's Matt Corral. Quarterback of Long Beach Poly, recently transferred from Oaks Christian. Uh, Greg, give me your thoughts. I mean, <clears throat> I like Matt. You know, I, obviously, you talk about arm strength, and, and we, all, we all know the deal on arm strength. It's not the most important thing, but at the same time, I mean, it's like a pretty girl. It's the first thing you're going to notice when you see a girl down the sure. street. Uh, with Matt, I mean, he's got a pro arm right now. I mean, at Steve Clarkson's deal, they were doing uh, a long ball contest, and he won it. Yeah. Jacob Eason, who's pretty darn good at Georgia, where the, they were the two finalists, Matt threw the ball into the wind, 70 yards. And it's not just about that. You know, I, I think, again, watching Matt since he was, you know, freshman, sophomore, junior year, you know, I, I think he's tough. I, I'm a huge fan of toughness in a quarterback. I've seen him take shots after shot and stand up and not, being a Rams fan, pull a Jim Everett. He didn't sack himself. Man, he hangs in there. He'll throw the ball. Um, I think he's got touch that surprises people usually a lot of times you have that big arm you expect them to not be able to throw with touch they just want to Brett Favre the ball in there sure and, and he's the guy you know again I know you love comparisons I he's the guy I would say kind of reminds me a little bit of Brett Favre and that he's he's kind of reckless sure and it's, it's that he'll he'll roll out man he'll see a guy he'll huck at that thing in there 40 yards sidearm he doesn't care he just he's gonna make a big play 
he's going to have some big plays coming back that direction too because he does take chances. Yeah. But he's got that gunslinger attitude. Um, I think he's a better athlete than giving credit for. Again, he can extend plays. He can run when he needs to. Uh, I think he has all the physical tools. It's just like what we said about Dorian. You know, next level, you know, processing and being quick with the reads and quick with the decisions. If he can master all that, I think he got something. So that, that's why right now we have him pretty high in our top five. Absolutely. So um, Matt Corral, as a freshman, I was a part of uh, something called the Hall of, Football, Hall of Fame Football Prep Academy. And after watching Matt Corral as a freshman, we invited, we were part of a group that invited 50 of the top freshmen in the nation uh, down to, they were, it was in Pennsylvania, to the Hall of Fame Football Academy where they were meted and greeted and tutored by a bunch of Hall of Famers, a bunch of guys teaching them skills inside the game and outside the game. And Matt was one of those guys. I was the one who vouched and nominated Matt. Loved Matt Corral as a freshman. Come back his sophomore year, loved him as a sophomore. Uh, teamed up with uh, Big Pittman, who's at USC now, and they lit it up. Loved him. Had a coaching change last year at Oaks Christian. And something didn't sit right with me. Uh, got a chance to watch Matt's tape and really cut him up and break him down. Uh, I thought his, his throwing motion changed. Um, I thought he really, really lacked accuracy. And, uh, you know, quite frankly, he, he stunk last year to me. Uh, I did not see the guy that I saw as a freshman and a sophomore. I saw a guy who, who struggled with accuracy. I saw a guy who played recklessly but made a ton of mistakes. Uh, I saw a guy who was living off of his previous year's hype and did not play the type of football that was becoming of him. And so having him as the number two player in the region, I got a big question on that. Um, I know he's got great talent. I know he's got the physical tools. He did not play up to par, and I understand that these ratings are based on projection. Um, I just have questions about Matt Corral. I have questions about his character uh, from some things that I've heard and things that I've read. I've got questions about his ability to throw the ball consistently. I do know that at the Rivals Five Star Challenge, it was reported that he did not look like the top ten player that they have him rated. He struggled to throw the ball with accuracy. He struggled to throw the ball on time um, versus defenders. And so right now, I got a big question mark on Matt. Now, he is a recent transfer to Long Beach Poly. They got a great coach, Antonio Pierce. Hopefully, they can get Matt back in line to where he's playing good football. To where he's playing, because that's what I'd like to see. I loved, again, I loved him as a freshman and a sophomore. Matt was outstanding. I mean, he made great throws. He made timing throws. He made off-platform throws, out-of-the-pocket throws, extended plays. You saw the big arm. You saw the talent. But I think he got sloppy last year. I think he became undisciplined. And I think with all this hype that surrounds him, those things you can become susceptible to. I don't know if that's the case with Matt, but hopefully he gets himself together. He gets back on track to the Matt Corral I saw as a freshman and sophomore. Because since then, he has not resembled that guy. And... Um, I don't think his ratings reflect um, his performance. They may reflect his, proje his projection, but projection can get you fired as a college coach. USC better be careful. Moving right along. The number three player in the West region, Amon Ross St. Brown. Big time wide receiver out of Santa Ana, modern day. Greg? Before we move on, 
Give me, give me, give me one chance. And, and, and Matt doesn't need me to defend him. I'm not going to disagree with a lot of what you said. I will say, mechanically, I, I saw him. He kind of almost cuffs the ball a little bit now in his release. But, to, to, but saying that, why I still feel like he, he's got a chance. You know, if you watch the game against Murrieta Valley, where you, him and Hank Bachmeier went back and forth and back and forth. He made some throws that you just can't, like you just can't throw those balls that Matt was able to do. You know, he had. Uh, for me, one of the top tight ends in the country, Kobe Parkinson, who missed almost the whole entire year. He didn't have Michael Pittman. He had Micah Pittman, sure. who he ended up getting offers from USC and a few other schools because end of the year, that became his go-to guy. But, you know, I think a lot of Matt's weapons weren't there. And so here's a guy who I think he was almost forced to be a little undisciplined, reckless, because he didn't have that go-to tight end. He didn't have that All-American receiver on the outside. So I, I see what you're saying. Um, I'm hoping this year he's going to have weapons at Poly. I think it's a good structure for him to be in. I know he's happier at Poly, so uh, I'm hoping he pulls it around. But I don't think he was in the best – didn't have the best opportunity to succeed last year because of some of those things. But I do think he also needs to tighten up some, some stuff too as well. Absolutely. So, I, you know, I know you're not here to make excuses for the guy. No. And I understand that with weapons not being there or, or limited weapons, how you can struggle. Um, but this is a great year to see the bounce back year for Matt. And uh, I want to see him do well, but I got to call a spade a spade. If a guy came in, didn't play well, and kind of stuck up the joint throwing the football, I've got to say it. And um, whether who likes it or not doesn't really matter to me. You've got to come in and be who you say they are, or I'm going to call you out on it. Yeah, I got no issues with you. You know, shoot, that's the beauty of Keith Miller. You always know where you stand. That's with right. You. That's I, right. I don't ever have to worry about if, if you like me or if you don't. Not concerned at all. One guy we both do love, and that's obviously uh, Amon Ra. And, and right now, he, he would be the number one guy in the region. I mean, if you're talking about what they've done in the offseason, the guy has only been the best player, best receiver at every single event. It's been consistent. It was at the Under Armour. It was at the Nike. It was at Rivals. Sure. No matter what the event, it, it's every event. The guy has gotten bigger, faster, stronger. The guy who works out like he's competing, like his dad used to. Right. The guy, you can make an argument, catches the ball as well as anybody. People are shocked at how strong the kid is. You talk to, I talk to DBs, and I'm like, hey, who's tough? And they're like, dude, this guy is so – I can't press him. You play off. He's too quick. Uh, he can jump over people. His timing uh, in terms of jump balls. I'm the guy's only six feet on a good day. He wins every jump ball. How? Because he's just so smart and his timing is impeccable. Uh, I love the work ethic. And in terms of just – on-field dominance, he's been the MVP out west this whole entire offseason, and all of his tools project to the next level as well. He's a guy who can be inside slot guy. He can be an outside guy. He can make plays after the catch. He can go deep. He can be a possession guy on third and eight because he catches the ball so well. Uh, I, I love those big 6'4 receivers. They're, ne they're never covered because you're, you're 6'4, but I will take him over any receiver right now. I think he's a very special talent. There's no question. Uh, Amon Ra is He's a special kid, uh, along with being a special talent. Uh, very humble kid. You get a chance to talk to him. He's not very, uh, he's very unassuming. He's not looking for um, the hype to surround him. But just a guy who just delivers, I think, every time he gets a chance. You know, you, you see him on Fox Sports and Game of the Week. He delivers one-handed grab back on the end zone. You see him against uh, St. John Bosco in the championship game. He delivers. Bomb, you know, for a touchdown. He's just a guy that performs at his highest when the lights are at their brightest. And that's something I can totally respect because a lot of guys don't do that. 
But Amon Ra, he's, to me, he's fantastic. Uh, if I had to compare it to somebody, I'd probably compare it to Antonio Brown. Kind of reminds me of Antonio with his quickness and his ability to change direction, his strength. I don't know if he has Antonio Brown's speed, and that would be a little bit of a concern to me. Um, I know it's kind of reported he ran 4-6. I'd like to see him around to be a 4-4 guy. Uh, but he's a guy you know is going to be a relentless worker. He's going to continue to develop and work on his speed. Again, his strength is phenomenal for a receiver. His versatility to return kicks, return punts, play inside, play outside, run inside routes, outside routes, go routes, jump over guys, um, be able to, to, to finish through a contest or through contact. He's got that body that can take a little bit of punishment. Um, he's just an outstanding football player. And like you said, he's dominated the offseason. Uh, I don't remember anybody having an offseason like this in a very, very long time. Uh, he's dominated every camp. He's dominated in one-on-ones and seven-on-seven. He's dominated all seven-on-seven tournaments. He's been unguardable and unstoppable from start to finish. We're trying to get him into the Under Armour All-American game. He's choosing between Under Armour and another game. And uh, hopefully he chooses Under Armour. We'd love to have him out in Orlando, Florida, competing against some of the top uh, cornerbacks in Florida. I know they've been calling him out, and, and I'd love for him to respond in a big-time way out in Orlando this winter. So, uh, again, the number three guy, but essentially the number one guy, Amon Ross St. Brown, Santa Ana modern day, the number one receiver in the country and should be the number one player out west very, very soon on scout.com. Looking at the number four player in the Western region, rated Jalen Hall out of Long Beach Poly, recent transfer from Hawkins of Los Angeles. Jalen is the guy who stormed on the scene as a ninth grader at L.A. Hawkins, had a huge ninth grade year. He, was a, he along with Matt Corral, was a part of that, was a part of that uh, prep academy, the Hall of Fame prep academy that we hosted in Pennsylvania. Uh, had a tremendous season as a sophomore, um, 15 or plus touchdowns and over 1,000 yards. As a junior last year, had a good season, I don't think, not a great season. Uh, but he's had some concerns this offseason. You want to talk about that, Greg? Yeah, and I think Jalen is, is a perfect case of why it's so difficult to do rankings so early in the process. It'd be, you know, and that same thing, I think the same thing goes for colleges. You talk to colleges, and they would love to not have to offer eighth graders or freshmen the longer you can evaluate a player, the better your evaluation is going to be. Sure. Um, we did these rankings and, and named Jalen uh, a five-star after his going into, I think it was middle of his sophomore season. That's when the rankings were, 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 were kind of due. And uh, at that time, it was justified. Uh, rankings are based, again, on projectable uh, upside. And Jalen had it. You know, he was a big kid. I, I mentioned I love big receivers. He was all of 6'3". He had on-the-field dominance. And people say, oh, he was playing at Hawkins. He, every event the guy was out, he killed it. At Absolutely. the opening last year, he was – I felt he should have been the MVP receiver. He okay. got invited to the opening finals. Uh, he killed it in Oregon. I mean, he was a big physical guy who could run. Uh, this offseason, it, it's been a struggle, and I think Jalen would even, would even admit that. Um, I don't want to say he's, he's peaked early or he's regressed, but he just doesn't have that same kind of dynamic playmaking ability. He's not separating as well, sure. uh, whereas last year – he wanted every jump ball. This year, he's not. Uh, whereas last year, he would catch the ball and maybe do something after the catch. This year, it's a catch, and then it's a tag. Sure. Um, so my concern with, with Jalen is, you know, if you're going to be a five-star guy, you need to have some dynamicness to your game. No question. You can't be a five-star possession receiver. No question. You can be have a great NFL career. Anquan Bolden, obviously, is a beautiful player, right? He's Absolutely. a possession guy. There's nothing wrong with that. Nope. 
but out of high school, Anquan Bolden would not have been a five-star guy, just judging by how the rankings go. Uh, so Jalen needs to step it up big time at the opening. You know, he's going he's to be there. Um, he's going to best of the best, right? He's going to be man on man. And so he really needs to, to step it up. Other guys, other receivers, not just other players, receivers at his position have outperformed him. Uh, not just St. Brown, uh, several players. So um, Jalen Hall, as of right now, he's still that number four guy. Uh, there's going to be a post-summer rankings coming out, though. And so Jalen's got to really do something big at the opening to kind of keep that top five spot. No, no, I hear you. Uh, absolutely. And um, Jalen was a guy I loved. I saw him in eighth grade for the first time, and I looked at my brother and said, this guy's going to be the number one player in the country when he's a senior. Uh, and I don't think I was too far off, uh, especially coming out of his sophomore year. Like you said, last year uh, at the opening, I thought he did a fantastic job as well uh, versus some very, very good competition. And one thing that I've noticed about Jalen is he's not as fluid as he used to be running routes. He's more stiff. I don't know if he's lifting too many weights, um, but he, he has gotten bigger in terms of size, but he's just, he's more stiff now than he used to be. He used to be a much more fluid route runner. With that becomes a lack of separation. So when you, when you increase your stiffness, you lack separation from defenders. And what begets that is contested throws, right? So contested catches. So when you lack that separation, because you, you, you got some stiffness to your game, now guys are in your hip pocket. So when ball comes, it's a contested catch. It's not a clean catch. And one thing I've learned about Jalen this offseason is he's really lost his confidence. Um, to me, he was never a natural ball catcher. He was a guy who would drop his occasional ball. And now that that's multiplied because of the stiffness and because of the contested catches, I think his confidence has suffered. Um, he, he, he looks like a shell of himself out there. And he's a guy that has not performed well this offseason. He's a guy that has not won 50-50 balls like he used to. He's a guy that has not created separation like he could a year ago. And I really hope he gets his confidence back. The transfer move over to Polly, competing every day against top-notch defenders like the Markham Twins and such. Uh, being coached by a former NFL Pro Bowler, Antonio Pierce, hopefully they can inject some juice into Jalen to get him back rolling again. Because as a freshman and sophomore, he was dynamite. He was dynamic. He was a red zone mismatch. Mm -hmm. uh, he was a 50-50 killer. And now there's five foot eight guys who are killing him in 50-50 balls. There are DBs who aren't even on recruiting radars that are locking him up contesting all his catches, knocking the ball away. I was at the Nike camp, and I must have watched Jalen on about five straight throws drop the ball in the end zone. I mean, it was bizarre. And I knew then there was a confidence issue going on, and it's all in his head, and he's a guy that hasn't responded to it yet. Now, confidence is a tricky thing. When you have it, you have it, and nothing can stop you. King Kong. When you lose it, it's hard to get it back. So hopefully those guys over there at Long Beach Poly can help get him going straight. We would love, we would really love to see Jalen bounce back and have a great season. I know the opening, like you said, is a big stage for him, um, but I don't see that going well with the, with his confidence issues and his his increased stiffness. I'm not sure that the opening is a great place for him to put all that on display. But we'll see what happens. Uh, but hopefully, again, 
Long Beach Poly coaches and players can help him get back on the right track. Right now, he's rated the number five receiver in the country. Um, if I had to rate him, he'd probably be outside the top 30, if you ask me. Um, but again, hopefully he can bounce back and we can see him up in Oregon uh, turn into the old Jalen Hall who was running by guys and jumping over guys and fighting for balls and really playing with the type of confidence that begets a five-star receiver. Confidence, I mean, you said that word about three or four times, but you can't understate that in any, any sport. You've talked to baseball players, and I had an awesome sports psychologist at, at Cal State Fullerton as we call Harvard of the West. Cal State Fullerton. Uh, yeah, okay. Just beat Long Beach State to go on the that, World Series, true. baby. Congratulations to those Fullerton boys. But, but my sports psychologist teacher was the sports psychologist for the Angels, Ken Revisa. Okay. And, and he was, it was my best class I've ever taken. And he told me stories about loss, loss of confidence with dealing with pitchers. And he said you would see it. They would, not, they would stop throwing their fastballs. Yep. It would all be breaking stuff because they knew if they got beat throwing their best pitch, which is usually your fastball, they were done. So to avoid that, they would literally stop throwing it. Absolutely. Um, confidence is huge for a point guard, for a quarterback, for a receiver, for any position. You cannot play without it. So, I mean, I, I, I'm like you. I, I root for good kids. And Jalen's a great kid, yep. beautiful kid. Uh, so I, I hope we can get it back. I, I, I know it's in there somewhere because we saw it last year. That's right. So, like you said, man, hopefully, I know it's going to be a tough stage at the opening, but ho- hopefully, we, I know we're both rooting for him. Hopefully, he can bounce back. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, we want to move on to our next segment. We're talking about the sleeper of the week. The sleeper of the week brought to you by... Samsung, the sleeper of the week, brought to you by Samsung. We're talking Zaire Thornton. Zaire Thornton, a six foot four, two hundred thirty-five pound defensive end out of Linwood High School in California. Zaire is a kid who transferred from Gardena High School to Linwood. Uh, played, I believe, five games last year. Had eight sacks, thirteen tackles for loss. Uh, right now, I don't think he has anything on the table in terms of scholarships, but he's had a good summer. He's performed well at some camps. Uh, he's got really good film. He reminds me a lot of a guy I used to coach, former first-round pick, Dayton Jones. And uh, he's, a, he's a kid that's got some flexibility on the edge. He's got some initial explosiveness out of his stance. He's got good length. He's relentless in pursuit. He's a guy that, play, he's a guy that can hold the edge and play physical against in the run game. I just think he's got a lot of tools in his toolbox that colleges are looking for. I think once he gets a really good stern look by somebody, um, people are going to start pulling the trigger on him. I know he's going to be attending the Alabama camp. July 16th through the 18th in Tuscaloosa. And he says he wants to perform big time in front of Coach Nick Saban and defensive coordinator, or excuse me, co-defensive coordinator, Tosh Lupoy, who recruits the West Coast. So, again, Sleeper of the Week brought to you by Samsung, Zaire Thornton out of Linwood High School, six foot four, 235-pound defensive end, big-time player. You know what you should do, Keith? I know you're tight with this kid. I mean, I'd have him go to some of these satellite camps out here. I mean, obviously he'll do great at Alabama, hopefully. But this is a guy who, you know, Boise State makes a living off of. A Washington State makes a living off of. Those guys who, for whatever reason, kind of slip below the cracks. I get him into some of those satellite camps out here, Boise State, um, your Washington State. So kind of your, your schools that kind of recruit, not necessarily the, the top line guys. But if he goes to their camps, I guarantee you from watching the film, I know you love the, love the kid as well. This kid could get some offers real quick and get that first offer. And all of a sudden, here comes two, three, four, and five. So hopefully the guy is active on the camp circuit, not, not just Bama. Uh, but some of the uh, some of the kind of the more regional ones closer to home as well. He could do well at, the, at some of those. Well, I'm the one who kind of invited him to the Bama camp. I told him he should probably go out there because, you know, I see something that most people don't see in this kid. Again, he reminds me of a former first round pick that I coached, and I see the same traits. I see the same movement. I see the same mannerisms, and I want to test him up against the best because 
I see what I see and I know what I see and I trust my eyes. And if my eyes aren't lying to me, he's going to go out there. He's going to perform well. He may or may not get an offer. The, the money is the money's on the side of him may not getting an offer. But I think that's going to do something for his confidence. Um, I think he has attended some camps, some smaller camps around here. I don't think any satellite camps. He has a, a living situation that's a little, uh, a little challenging. But Zaire is a kid that, that has a lot of intangibles. He's got a lot of physical ability. He's got a football IQ. And I think he's a guy, once he gets in front of coaches, like you said, maybe a satellite camp or two, he's going to be a guy that's going to open up some eyes uh, because a lot of times you don't find a guy that's flexible and quick at 6'4", 235, and still growing, yeah. right? No still, got, still got a baby face, doesn't have a hair on his face, hmm. right? Uh, only 16 years old, and it's going to be a senior. So um, he's got a lot, a lot of success in front of him. And uh, I just want to see him go test himself up against the best out in Tuscaloosa, which should, which should be a lot of fun, but it should uh, allow him to assess and evaluate himself adequately versus top-notch competition. Beautiful. All right. Beautiful. All right. So our last segment today, this is our final thoughts, just which, which basically means our final takeaways um, from today's podcast. So uh, my final takeaway is the Elite 11 is such a dynamic platform for those 24 and these final 12 guys. Um, I wish they had an Elite 11 or Elite 25 for offensive tackles, defensive ends for cornerbacks, receivers, just in a, an elite platform to where guys aren't fighting for reps. Guys are in a concentrated space to compete against one another on various levels in terms of football and being a good person. I really respect Elite 11 for the way that they attack this, not only on the playing field, but off the playing field. I think that's important. Leaders are important. We all need them. They help drive the positivity in society. And I think those elements need to be addressed a little more often uh, with a wide variety or a wide range of players throughout the country, and especially the elite players because they're they're the ones who are going to be leaders. Mm -hmm. They're the ones who are going to lead us on the field and off the field. It's called the talented 10th. W.E.B. Du Bois coined it the talented 10th. The talented 10%. The talented 10th percent. They're going to lead us to we are to where we are going to go. I think Elite Eleven does a great job of leading those quarterbacks, and uh, my hat is off to them because I know that takes a lot of planning, that takes a lot of communication, a bunch of guys working together and girls to uh, to drive home one goal. Uh, so hats off to Elite Eleven, great job, guys. I know Greg speaks highly, being a former student sports guy um, of the Elite Eleven, and uh, I'm a big supporter as well. So ag- again, great job, Elite Eleven. Final thought for me is probably just talking about all these guys and kind of basing a lot of it on what we've seen this offseason. I'm so ready for the pads to come on. I'm oh, so, yeah. I mean, I'm so seven-on-seven out. Oh, and yeah. Just some of, the, some of the elements that we see, uh, it's just I'm, I'm ready. Absolutely. You know, I, I, think, I think I'm excited about, you know, just how good St. John Bosco, Modern Day, Centennial, yeah. Yeah. You know, Mission Viejo, some of these teams that were good last year, they returned so much. And, and just seeing real football. Absolutely. You know, seeing real football played. So that, like, that's my final, my final thought is, you know, a couple more college camps. We got the opening finals coming up. But then it's, you know, pads come on, and I, I'm ready to go. I'm excited for that. Yeah, I'm ready for somebody to hit somebody. I'm tired of all these guys touching each other with <laughs> one hand. It's not a good habit to have. But um, looking forward to it. You know, pads coming on. August is slowly approaching. And uh, ready for some football. 
So um, as far as social media, please follow me, Coach Keith underscore NP. That's for National Preps. Coach Keith underscore NP. That's on Twitter. Greg, go ahead. Your social media plug. Just at Greg Biggins. Keep it simple, man. I got to keep it simple, simple for me. So at Greg Biggins. At Greg Biggins. So that does it all for us for the transparent truth. Hopefully you heard something and learned something that can help you become a better person or a better player today and every day for the rest of your life. Thank you for joining us on the transparent truth. Join us next time as we talk a little bit more football and a lot more shenanigans. Take care. Thank you.